Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that prides itself on great service and delivering you the vehicle that is right for you. Been in business for more than 50 years, and they're the largest dealership in Northern Colorado. Hop online or visit the showroom and check out the new Toyota 4Runner Lime Rush Edition or the 2022 RAV4 Hybrid available in either 17 or 18-inch alloy wheels, sleek body style, and a two-tone roof that'll help you stand out. It now comes with an enhanced 10-year hybrid battery warranty or 150,000 miles. You'll be amazed at Peterson's entire selection from new to certified pre-owned, and their knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the vehicle that is great for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Canalamesa, joined by Mike Rowe. We are back after taking quite a break since March. It's now August 1st. We're about a month away from college football. We're back on the horse, excited to talk Ram Athletics. You know, had my first uh, CSU event yesterday. It's been a few months since I've done something CSU related, but uh, got to attend CSU Day at the Rockies. Sat in the suite there. I want to thank Joe Parker, Christy Bolender, the the president of the Alumni Association for having me there. But I had such a great time. Jay Norvell was a guest there as well. He also threw out the first pitch. It's pretty funny because uh, he came up to the suite afterwards and um, he was a little dejected because he was really looking forward to throwing a heater from from the mound. And uh, the Rockies, which if you've ever spent any time you know, had a chance. Uh, my, I used to take my little league team. We used to walk the field. There's every year they had an annual parade for little league. They were very strict about where you could walk and don't dare touch a blade of grass. I've actually coached high school games there. Um, they're just extremely strict, but you would think for the, the ceremonial first pitch, they would allow the guests to throw from the mound or at least the dirt, you know, and, and throw all the way to the plate. But they had Jay throwing to Dinger, from like 20 feet away. So it was a little silly. Um, so he just had to kind of lob one in there. Uh, but Jay, it's, he grew up playing baseball, shortstop pitcher, and, and he wanted to show off that arm. And uh, he, he actually called Dinger. He goes, God, I had to throw to Snuffleup, I guess. And I probably just should have zipped one off of his costume there, but uh, pretty funny. But it was awesome to see him there. Jay uh, also joined Drew Goodman and Ryan Spielborgs for uh, two innings during the telecast. I recorded the game and watched his interview later, um, but he just comes across as such a likable, intelligent person. Um, just his enthusiasm exudes. And, um, you know, he also had a love for baseball, was able to carry his own and talk in baseball, talked about how his favorite book is The Science of Hitting by Ted Williams, who he said is one of his heroes. And it was just really fun listening to that interview. And you could tell Drew Goodman really likes him. Drew's had him on his podcast uh, a few months ago. And it was a real lengthy one. So he's just, uh, I think he's a hit. It was funny. One of my wife's friends who doesn't know anything about sports certainly has nothing to do with CSU, but uh, her husband was watching the Rockies the other uh, yesterday and, and uh, she had heard Jay Norvell come on for that interview. And, and she had actually texted my wife, Laura, just to say how impressed she was of Jay Norvell as a person. And um, you know, I think it's just an indicator of, what he can do at CSU, the way he resonates, not just with hardcore fans, but just people in general. 
in the suite, there were several former athletes in there. Former quarterback MJ McPeak and his wife were in there. Sean Moran was in there. Kevin Lynch, um, former defensive end Greg Pollard, who played under Sonny Lubick in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. And if you don't know Greg, Greg was a great player, and and he's an even better person. I really enjoy him. He's just, he lights up a room when he walks in. He's real jovial, and he's a good dude. But if you follow him on social media at all, on Facebook in particular is what I'm referencing, but He's been really down on CSU for years, down on the product, down on the coaching hires, down on the lack of connection between former players and the athletic department and the football program. And he's actually been quite vocal about it uh, on Facebook. And it was great to see him in the suite yesterday. He was really enjoying himself. Um, It was great to see the Alumni Association and the athletic department start to bridge that gap, have him there. He, He he looked like he was enjoying being a part of it again. And, you know, I think a big part of that and his willingness to be there and is he sees some hope with Jay Norvell and his staff. I think he was, um, you know, there's been a couple hires that a lot of former uh, football players have not agreed with, but I think a lot of them are getting behind this Jay Norvell hire. And, and uh, there's still a lot of, there's, there's, a, there's all of football to be played. He hasn't had a single, uh, game yet, but I think you can just see that the direction of the program is on the up. So um, we'll talk more about football as the month goes on, leading up to the season opener at Michigan, September 3rd. Um, We'll also talk hoops with Steve Ivey this week. Uh, We'll talk about hoops life post David Roddy and uh, the other losses uh, that, that the roster has gone through and as well as the additions, talk a little NIL. Uh, what he expects from the Ram Hoops team in 2022-23 uh, and a bunch more. So um, stay tuned for that later this week. But today we are bringing in Athletic Director Joe Parker. <laughs> He'll get back on our regular cadence of joining us once a month to give us the latest with CSU Athletics. He'll be also be joining us for a happy hour fan forum, a Ram Nation happy hour fan forum Q&A Thursday, August 18th at Ginger and Baker. Um, We'll be sending out some more of those details um, in the coming days. I'll post that on Ram Nation, but you're all going to be welcome to join us for a few beers, some snacks, and to fire away questions of our athletic director. Um, Whatever you want to know, no question is off limits. Just be respectful. Uh, But we used to do this for years uh, with former athletic directors. They were always a lot of fun. It was good to have uh, uh, fans connect with the ADs. And and Joe's the kind of guy that, that, enjoys connecting and and being in front of fans that way. So uh, stay tuned for more information on that. But for now, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a while. How are you? I missed you uh, at the Rockies game yesterday. I understand you're under the weather a bit, but I hope you're doing okay. Yeah, thanks, Joel. Thanks, Mike. Good to be with you guys. And I I was sorry to miss the Rockies, uh, but it looks like it was a great event. Jay got it over the plate. So as you would expect, great arm and uh must have been a great day perfect weather yeah jay was uh lamenting the fact that they would only let him throw from like 20 feet he was he was wanting to throw a bullet <laughs> you know he had, a, had a deal with his buddies they said you got to make sure you throw from the mound and he was ready to go but you know the rockies they they're very protective of that field and where you can stand so yeah anyway that was cool yeah, congrats on the extension. This is uh, fresh off the presses, I think, last week. Just uh, 
what does that mean to you uh, going five more years here, the continuity and longevity and, and being able to lead CSU for this amount of time? Yeah, you know, I onboarded April of 15 and, and you know, I, I took the job with the expectation that it might be my last job ever. And, uh, you know, it's nice to get now two extensions and, and this one was really meaningful. You know, we've, uh, we've been working hard trying to get all things right throughout the entire department and uh, to have, have uh, my leadership and really, you know, a lot of people that, that make CSU athletics uh, go to have that affirmed was really gratifying. You know, I, I, this is an absolute, absolute privilege for me to serve CSU in this capacity and, um, you know, love being a part of this community, you know, so, uh, so excited about what's ahead for our student athletes. So it felt good. You know, I mean, I, I worked hard for the opportunity to get here in the first place and worked hard for the first renewal and worked hard for the second one as well. But, but, uh, you know, just looking to continue to serve our student athletes and, and the CSU fans. Well, I don't, I don't think we've had a lot, if you serve out another five years, it would be, that'd be 12 total, total years here. I don't, how many have we had, Mike, that have ever made it that long? Fum McGraw, maybe? I, mean, I was going to say, Fum's the last one I could think of. Hughes, maybe? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it's it's been it's been a really, really long time. And, you know, with you there and then also having the staff, you know, the continuity of your staff that can keep initiatives rolling and we're not turning over ideas and turning over getting to know, you know, boosters and getting the lay of the land. It's um, I think it's, it's really big for Colorado state. So we're really happy to see that Joe. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. You know, there's, there's so many people, you know, Kyle, who's on the call, just a silent participant, you know, Chris Ferris, Steve Cottingham, Terry DeZeo, um, you know, Dr. Bempers, his role's transitioned. Um, you know, that, I don't know if that's been followed by anyone on Ram nation, but he's, moved outside of athletics now and is serving as chief of staff for president Miranda. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to start mentioning names because there's just so many of them, you know, our staff is 140 people and they're all dedicated professionals trying to make this the best place they possibly can for our student athletes and our fans. Congrats again. I mean, well-deserved, uh, well-deserved extension. Now what's out on everybody's mind uh, is conference, conference realignment. For us fans, we see OU and, and Texas going to the SEC. We see USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten, and all of these kind of out of the blue. Um, from your position, are you witnessing this in real time just like us? Or do hey, guys, you know gotta, gotta, we're going to have to pause for a minute. Just a second. I got I got an issue happening at the house. Some guys hit a sprinkle on Just a minute. All right, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and that, that's a first. He didn't like that question, I guess. That's a first. He's he's looking to dodge you. But, hey, while we wait for him to come back, Kyle, our, our trusty uh, SID here, just chimed in. FUM served 11 years from 1976 to 1986 as AD. And Harry Hughes was the longest serving uh, from 1911 to 1953. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting. And Bob Davis, let's see. What is that? What's my math? 12 years? So, yeah. So Joe will be right up there if uh, if he decides to to stay here another five years as his contract goes. So very cool. All right. Let's uh, let let Joe come back. So, again, uh, you see OU and, and Texas going to the SEC. You see USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten. 
for fans, you know, it comes kind of out of nowhere, out of the blue. But for someone in your position, do you hear these rumblings like in advance? Like you kind of are aware of it or, or is this happening in real time for you as well? Uh, I, you know, last summer was, the, you know, there, there was felt less surprising last summer with the move from Oklahoma, Texas. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you guys on a previous podcast, you know, I'm, I'm close with uh, Chris Del Conte at Texas. You know, he didn't reveal anything, but I saw him in June before their announcement when I was down in Austin for a wedding. And it just, I sensed that he was thinking about things in a little bit different way. And then sure enough, you know, the, the announcement came that they were making the move with Oklahoma to the SEC this last summer with, uh, <clears throat> with uh, SC and UCLA. I think it was literally a two by four to the head for everyone. I don't think anyone was tracking on that, had any awareness, but I think what, what I've been conditioned to recognize now and we all should be is that whenever there's uh, an opportunity, when, you know, when a grant of rights is ending, when contracts are uh, reaching the end of their term, then that's, you know, obviously a logical point in which people can start to evaluate the landscape and really decide what's in their best interest. So, um, you know, UCLA and, and Southern Cal were a total surprise for me and I think a total surprise for everyone in the Pac-12. You know, I'm sure there are a handful of people um, in the Big Ten and at those schools, those two schools, and then and then with the TV partners that had awareness, but it was a pretty tightly held secret. And, you know, these moments are tough because they really uh, disrupt, you know, relationships that, you know, that, you know, have been in place, you know, decades worth of trust. And it's sad to see it happen, but it's also kind of seems to be the logical next step is there's this move towards consolidation and, in trying to, uh, you know, migrate towards as many dollars as possible through the broadcasting relationships. So given last year's mutual flirtation with the AAC, how has this prepared CSU for whatever the future has in store? Uh, you know, Mike, we, we, we have to continue to do what I've said from the very start. You know, our aspirations are to play at the highest level of FBS football that we possibly can. And we have to be the very best version of Colorado state that we can be, you know I mean? And, and we've got to find a way to win in football and win consistently in football, which is something that we've not done uh, very frequently in the overall history of our program. You know, certainly Sonny offered the most stability and, and sustained success uh, but we've got to reach those points again and 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 uh, begin to engage our fans in ways that we've not engaged them in the last several decades. Um, and not not just in venue, but you know what's important when we get evaluated by TV partners is is how our fans engage around our games um, when they're broadcast. And you know, it's just something I keep saying, and some fans get upset about it and say, you know, well, you know, I got to do my job better and I would agree with them. But at the same time, it's, it's a community wide effort. And if we all care, then we've got to put a shoulder to the grindstone and really try and move this thing forward. You, you kind of mentioned the, the consolidation of a couple of super conferences. Is that, is that you think where we're heading and could that potentially be, I mean, I hate, I hate the direction of what's happening with college football, but it, almost would bring a sense of, all right, you've got your 40 teams there. Let everybody else who can compete in a relatively similar arena um, under, you know, that, that cannot compete at the dollars that, that those 
elite 40 schools are competing at, is that maybe not the worst thing in the world? It, it, it may not be, you know, and I, and I think what's going on with the SEC and the Big Ten moving to 16 teams, you know, that, that gives you 32. And, and the way that TV is responding to those two leagues is going to create uh, a big difference between uh, what's occurring uh, for really the other A5s. You know, I, I look at what's happened this summer and the game's being played a level above where we're at right now. I mean, there's, there's, you know, I mean, there's discussion about, you know, does the PAC 12 backfill, um, you know, does a big, big 12 do a proactive move, but, but honestly, I think the, the three A5 leagues that are not, you know, either the big 10 or the SEC are the ones that are now trying to figure out what does their future look like? And there's going to be a separation. I mean, you know, the forecasts that you're seeing in the media that people are discussing on a per school payout for broadcasting rights for the Big Ten and the SEC are north of $70 million per school. You know, we've seen, you know, 30 to 40 to maybe 50. I mean, that's that's a huge difference. Um, and, and to your point, too, Joel, I mean, at, at some point, you know, when, you know, resources are important. I'm not going to deny that. I mean, we we fight every day to, to try and resource our 16 programs in a way that gives our students an opportunity to compete and have a first-class experience. But at some point, you know, when does the dollars just cease to have the preeminence importance that they seem to right now? And I, I, I wish we could see votes that would, you know, align more with just, you know, what we talk about, student welfare, you know, it, Will that be good for two teams on the West Coast to be traveling deep in the Midwest and even to East Coast to compete? Probably not. You know, when I was in the Big 12 and, and we invited West Virginia into the conference, that was the first thing that they realized that, you know, on paper, in concept, you know, traveling over time zones, you know, they thought would be manageable. And once it was in practice, they realized how truly difficult that was for their students and their staff. So, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't know when there's more of a vote for kind of the rationale around, you know, maybe we don't step towards, you know, every dollar possible, but rather we make decisions that are more holistic in nature and, um, you, you know, trying to balance all of the competing priorities that we all have to do where, where financial considerations and resources are one of them, but then there's, you know, student well, health, health and welfare as well. Well, in the in the health of of the sport in general, I feel like you know we're seeing the disintegration of rivalries and regional rivals, rivalries, tradition. Um, you know what's going to happen with the Rose Bowl and Big Ten versus Pac twelve? Are they still going to want that match? I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen there, and um, it just does not seem like in the best interest of creating a healthy um, overall college football structure, and um, it's it's unfortunate it's kind of taking a little bit of the luster off of the reason we all love the sport. So I don't know if, if you agree with that, but that's, um, that's you how know, I get. yeah, I do. And, you know, I mean, you look at how we've gotten here and you, you know, you can, you know, when you reflect on the progression that's taken place, particularly over the last two decades, it, it starts to align with where we're, where we are, you know, and, and we become, um, really risk averse in the, in the space of antitrust and restraint of trade and, you know, how the court systems react to intercollegiate athletics. And, and I mean, those are, are real considerations, but at the same time, I mean, when we try and 
you know, avoid getting sued, it also is forcing us from really departing from, you know, some of the key principles that we felt were important to who we are. You know, for the last 40 years, the NCAA has attempted through legislation to, to uh, try and legislate competitive equity. And, you know, what we're hearing now from uh, the NCAA's transformation committee is that, you know, if we want to continue to stand by those bylaws, then it's going to only continue to highlight us as a litigation target for antitrust. So what we could see eventually is a full deregulation of some of the national rules that have <coughs> legislated uh, competitive equity. You know, so how we define a scholarship, how many scholarships can, can be allocated, you know, what's the size of a coaching staff, you know, all those things. And, and in our case, we're just going to simply have to make decisions on how our budget aligns against those issues. And if, you know, schools that are in the highly, highly resourced A5 want to hire 25 football coaches, that's great. You know, we're going to have our, our, our one head coach and 10 assistants. And, and when competitive equity begins is when our 11 students can step on the field to compete against their level. And, and honestly, I don't know, I don't know if it'd be easier or harder to, you know, create alignment within a football program with that many different competing voices and, and, and ideas, you know, I think, I think you might be better served to have a smaller number as opposed to 25, but, you know, I'm sure there'll, there'll be schools that will try and do that. Well, some of these recent rules that they've put in play, the NIL changes in the last couple of years, the, the, what, what was just announced last week or a couple of weeks ago about um, you now can have unlimited amount of transfers immediately. There's no penalty. Um, all these things that seem to be maybe in the vein of helping or benefiting the student athlete, but it's almost like a disguise. And this is like another advantage of those schools that have the resources, the money and the TV contracts that are funding it um, to be able to handle this stuff. I mean, I, I've, I've heard, I don't know if you can verify this, but you know, it sounds like we are running into recruits that are, you know, basically saying, Hey, I would like to be making this kind of money in NIL endorsements to commit to your university. How, how does CSU compete with that? How does, you know, it's, it's this, you mentioned competitive equity. It does not sound like we are heading, we're heading very part from competitive equity. I, I would agree with all those things, you know, NIL in July of last summer, you know, it, it it's moved in a direction that, you know, maybe some anticipated, but I think most probably didn't, um, you know, this concept of collectives and, you know, where, where it's true NIL, it makes, it makes sense. And, you know, who wouldn't, you know, feel it's appropriate to, uh, you know, be able to monetize your name, image, and likeness, but when it simply becomes, you know, a, a recruiting mechanism and inducement, you know, where alums are pooling resources and, and finding, you know, manufacturing a quid pro quo to create, you know, the the uh, feel of NIL. That's that's not what what was intended. But but I, I think you know at, th there'll be moments where I think we're just trying to kind of move through this, and I think there'll be some adjustments, and eventually maybe maybe some willingness on the part of us that is NCAA membership or FBS football to put some guardrails around it. You know, until we get there. You know, I think it is a bit of the wild, wild west. Um, but but ultimately, I think the the main thing that's going to govern this whole thing is playing time. 
Um, you know, if, if you get a football roster that's got three and four deep that are making NIL money, but some of those kids aren't being satisfied by their role on the field or, or the amount of time that they get to play, they're going to start looking for other opportunities regardless of what NIL means for them. So I think there'll be a, a leveling out, a stabilization, um, and, and hopefully some, some rationale brought into it. You know, I, I think one of the things that we could do, the NCA would just be to cap squad size. You know, just just say every every FBS football program gets 115 roster members. If you want a scholarship, 115, great. If you want to provide NIL opportunities to 115, great. You know, and then schools do exactly what they can afford to do up to that number. You know, maybe maybe we stay at 85. Maybe there's a year that we feel like we've got great talent. We can grow it to 92. Um, maybe there's a year that we retract to 82 just based on senior leadership and not having enough guys to, to really focus on. But at the same time too, we've got to be really cognizant of managing our title nine numbers as well. So, you know, a lot of the focus is on FBS football, but, but we've got, <clears throat> you know, other programs that we have to, uh, to have to do our very best to resource and create, create the right experience for them. Well, Mike had asked about the uh, the flirtation with the AAC last year. Um, what was it, five five-ish years ago that the Big Twelve was asking for information? They're soliciting information from candidates, and we had the opportunity to lay out our story. Have we? Has, has our story changed much since then? I mean, is there are we had advanced from where we were? Or? Uh, not far enough ahead. Um, you know, that the, the, the process that Big 12 went through was in 2016. <clears throat> you know, at that point, we, we were we hadn't opened the new stadium yet. You know, so that was uh, a talking point for us. You know, it's the stadium's been operationalized now for five years. Um, but, you know, we haven't seen uh, the, the success of the football team, you know, move in a, in a direction where, you know, that would create much interest. You know, basketball is is different from where we were in 2016 and in a positive way, but, you know, to be candid and frank, I mean, it, you know, it's all about football. So, you know, as I said before, we've got to, we got to, we've got to figure out a way as a staff, as uh, a department, as a university, as a community, as a group of caring fans to elevate our football program. And that means, ticket sales, measurements of engagement with season tickets, group sales, individual tickets, um, people traveling to away games, you know, how people respond to us on social media platforms. Um, so, so, you know, it, and, and, and granted, I know that it's much easier when a program is having success to rally around it, but, but, you know, I, I hear voices that people want, you know, to have us fulfill these aspirations and, and it's going to take every one of us to do it, you know, in each of our respective roles that, that has a responsibility to this place. So if you're a Ram fan, you know, this would be a great year to wake up and decide you want to share the same enthusiasm that we had in 2017 when we opened the new stadium, you know, we sold 15,000 tickets and had close to three sellouts, you know, we aren't there right now, folks. So you know, we've got a, a brand new coaching staff that people say they're excited about, but I also hear people say, well, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to see. I want proof in the pudding before I make a commitment financially. And that's great. And that's fine. And I understand that attitude. But 
I also think it'd be a lot easier for all of us if people would just, you know, become a part of this community and, and, and make a, a leap of faith and, and uh, you know, get behind it. So I hope that happens. There's still time to buy season tickets. You, you literally just stole everything I was going to ask on this next question. Uh, talking about the excitement that Coach Norvell has really brought to the program, especially after these last four years, tough, tough years. Um, so how has that translated to ticket and premium area sales? Obviously, not as much. We as need to improve, like. right? Yeah, yeah. There's there's room for improvement. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we're we're our premium seating's going fairly well. Always has, probably always will. But it's it's not at 100, percent which is where we were when we opened the stadium. Um, we're sold out on suites. We've got, I think, three or four loge boxes remaining. We're almost sold out, close to sold out on indoor club, which is kind of surprising. That's usually one of the areas that, that has lagged in the past. Um, outdoor club seats, there's still plenty of seats left. I think we're, we're a little over maybe 70% on the outdoor club seats sold. Um, and then it just goes out from there, you know, east side, you know, the, the upper deck where we were once sold out and almost every priority seat on the east side, you know, there's plenty of opportunity and vacancies there. So, you know, for all those people that were ticket buyers back in 17, you know, would love to figure out a way, you know, to get them back involved. And, and maybe it will take, you know, a eight to nine, a 10, 10 win season. Maybe it will take, you know, having a, a, a very surprising uh, non-conference win. Um, and all those things certainly, you know, generate energy and enthusiasm for the program. So we're, you know, Coach Norvell and his staff and the team are trying to make those things happen. I know I've mentioned it in the past, and, and I know I've told him face-to-face, -face, Chris Ferris has done a great job with, with getting butts in seats in, in football last year and in, in basketball. Um, so what are some of the promotions or offers um, – that those on the fence uh, can see in, in hopes to bring them back this, uh, this fall. Yeah. I, I think we've got a very competitive um, season ticket price. We, we haven't changed our pricing. I, I think in close to the five years that the stadium has been open, um, you know, we've got really competitive group sales rates. Uh, we, 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 we offer the, kickoff guarantee. So, you know, we've got really favorable kick times this year, the best we've had since I think 2016 uh, with really no true, you know, quote unquote night games with a, you know, game kicking 7 PM or later. Uh, so all the things that fans ask for are kind of being shaped up and delivered in this year. Uh, so you know, and, and, you know, some people say, oh, offer free tickets, you know, do it, you know, that, that never works, you know, I mean, so, you know, that just, that just uh, devalues, you know, the people that have already made a financial commitment that see the value of what you're doing. So, you know, we just got to get people to reorganize their priorities and, and it's going to take winning to do that. I realize that that's the, 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 the switch that needs to be flipped, but also would be great just for people to, you know, word of mouth and invite your community back together. I mean, you all know the people that once we're here, I mean, it, you know, it, it's, they'd say it's six degrees of separation in the world, you know, when it's a Ramley, I'm sure it's, it's two or three. So if you know of people that once we're buying season tickets, 
you know, get after them and encourage them to, to, you know, get back on board. You know, there's no reason why they shouldn't. We've got a great, great uh, schedule with kick times this year. And, and we've got a really exciting uh, football team that's being built by Coach Norvell. I know I'm excited and can't wait till September 10th to get back up there. Um, now, this summer, Canvas uh, has been used for a few different events. We had a couple movie nights, although the second one was was canceled because of weather. Um, and we hosted the the NoCo Hailstorm. That's the professional soccer club out of out of Windsor uh, in July. We had three matches. How did that month long partnership come about? Uh, it's it's been developing over the last couple of years. I mean, as soon as they got into the community and started their planning on their facilities and building their business model, um, they they reached out. So we've we've had constant contact with Casey and his team in uh, in Windsor, and they're they're great folks. We're excited about the developing partnership, and and uh, you know I, their facility's not ready. I think they've had some delays, as you would expect, with just disruption of COVID and how that's impacted supply chain and, and the construction industry here in Northern Colorado. So they, uh, they needed a place to play and uh, the dates that they were looking for, we could provide three for them. I think it was a total of three in Canvas Stadium. Um, So, you know, we, we've always envisioned the stadium as being a place to, you know, bring community to campus. So if it's, whether it's our events or an outside entity um, such as the hailstorm, you know, we're happy to provide it. You know, we've got the, um, you know, the the Canvas Classic, which will be the doubleheader for two high school or four high school football teams to play two games on our bye week. So there's always great ways to connect community to campus with the facility. You know, that's the one thing that we saw a big rebound in this last year was all the special event activities that happen in Canvas Stadium with, um, you know, uh, event rentals. I mean, that rebounded in a, in almost a pre pandemic way. So we're excited to see that happen. I know I, I was at the July 5th match and, and made me really appreciate how amazing Canvas stadium really is. Uh, there's about 1500, 2000 fans there. So I really got to, to see, see just how beautiful that stadium is. Uh, definitely excited. Um, what were some, what was the feedback on those events and, and what should we expect uh, in the future for multi-purpose stadium? Yeah. You know, if, like I said before, you know, as, as opportunities present themselves and that they align with, you know, our, our primary uses of the stadium, we want to make it available. You know, we've talked about concerts and we'll continue to kind of seek those opportunities. We have, um, you know, a couple groups that are kind of, uh, you know, patrolling, surveying the landscape uh, for opportunities to bring, you know, specific acts in to promote uh, a concert at Canvas. So that's that's something that we might expect in the future. Nothing imminent at the moment, but something that's always been a part of, uh, you know, thought and design around the stadium. Um, so, you know, when we get opportunities, we'll, we'll certainly do it. The movie nights are, you know, that's a fun community thing to do. You know, the last two summers are, are we've had, you know, storm disruptions with one, at least one of the planned evenings. And of course this year was the same, but, you know, it's just awesome when you see, you know, kids out on the field, blankets out, you know, families watching, you know, the big screen and enjoying themselves on a, on a beautiful Colorado night. Uh, shift gears, Joe, President McConnell 
recently was let go. You guys seemingly had a pretty good relationship. What does her departure mean for athletics, if anything? And is it bad timing at all to not have a president in place in this kind of environment of college football right now with things shifting or does that matter at all? Um, I, you know, those are hard moments, you know, difficult decisions. Um, you know, Joyce, Joyce uh, was, was always really a strong advocate for what we were doing in athletics at CSU felt comfortable working with her, but, but uh, also understand, you know, the, the big picture that the board manages and, and they made a, a decision and uh, you know, they're, they're looking now for a new leader for the university. You know, I, I think this place is um, really special and has always attracted very talented people. I think there's a, a great uh, leadership team, um, you know, a hierarchy in place that, you know, there won't be any operational disruptions, obviously, in, in the institution. Um, we're queuing up, it looks like, for another year of possibly record enrollment here um, for the university. So students still respond very well to this campus, um, have a lot of confidence. I mean, a ton of confidence in, in Rick Miranda, who was named interim. Um, you know, have a ton of familiarity with Rick. And Rick was, Rick's been on campus for more than 40 years and has great relationships. So he's going to do a, a wonderful job in the, in the interim role. And as I mentioned, you know, he, he you know, <clears throat> Albert Bemper is uh, a, a, a amazing resource for our entire campus. So the fact that he identified Albert as his chief of staff, you know, was really, I think a, a brilliant move on his part, but, you know, I understand they want to get to the marketplace quickly. They want to run an expedited search, you know, is that, six to eight months, possibly, you know, I think typically a search could be 12 to 15, <clears throat> but I think they want to try and get uh, some decisions done before the end of the calendar year and, and uh, be tracking to get someone in place pretty soon. Have you ever in your previous stops worked in an athletic department that maybe did not have a president that prioritized athletics or put an emphasis on athletics and if so, does that, I can imagine how much harder that is to operate under that. It, I know that we have had some presidents that you may classify as maybe not putting a priority on athletics. And I'm just curious as how, how that is to work under as a, someone who heads up an athletic department. Yeah, I've, I've had really good fortune to always work at places and for people, that, you know, the four people, people that have been presidents and that um, ultimate leadership role on a campus, you know, operating as a CEO. Um, I've never encountered anyone that, that hasn't seen the value in athletics and how it is uh, complementary to the mission of the institution. You know, in our case, you know, we, we, we take a ton of pride in the fact that we're a land-grant university. Um, you know, from our, from our inception, we've been all about access to education we still live, live that mission on a daily basis. And when you look at athletics, you know, we add to campus in so many ways in that space. You know, we, we overrepresent with first generation students. We overrepresent with minoritized students, students of color. Um, so, you know, for people that look at athletics and feel like we don't um, add to the, the mosaic of the institution, you know, I, I don't understand how they can reach that conclusion because, 
uh, we add so much to the university with, you know, our, our roughly 400 students that are contributors in, in every aspect of campus life. And, you know, the way that we identify with the community and draw community to campus, you know, I, I would challenge you to give me examples of, of where that happens any better than inter intercollegiate athletics. You know, if, if we weren't hosting games in Moby Arena or Canvas Stadium, you know, think of all the visitors and people that wouldn't feel any connection to the institution if we weren't doing those things. So for people that don't have an appreciation for what we do, I'm sorry for that. I'm going to continue to work hard to give them that opportunity to see it differently. And, uh, and yeah, I, th I think, you know, I think one of the things that's important to CSU and always will be is finding someone that appreciates the mission of intercollegiate athletics and how we are extremely complimentary to everything that happens and is valued on our campus. That was really well said. One, one more question about uh, NIL, going back to what we had just touched on a little bit ago. Do we have some sort of a structure um, to help us compete in that arena where do we have, you know, a network that, do you guys establish some sort of a network that um, of local businesses, of local donors um, that when need be can can provide opportunities or can provide financially, or are you trying to fundraise and put money into a bucket or how does this all work? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the interesting part about it is, is, you know, we, we really can't have any active involvement as an as, as a department, as those employed to, you know, help create the student athlete experience. Um, so, so once again, if, if we're going to gain any kind of traction in the, NIL space, like you've seen at other places, it has to be motivated by people outside the department. <clears throat> um, you know, I was at Texas Tech for four years, and a couple weeks ago, they, they announced uh, the Matador Collective, and, and that, that, that's four people, pretty much, um, that are donors, uh, graduates of Texas Tech that have been very successful in their business lives that made a commitment uh, to generate $3 million a year to help fund NIL opportunities for Texas Tech student athletes, starting first with football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and baseball. And, um, you know, so if, if, if we're if, if we have, you know, as I said before, much like, you know, how people engage around our program with season tickets and everything else, you know, if we have interest and aspirations to, to be able to check the boxes that relates to NIL and offering those type of opportunities to our students, it's going to have to come from motivation outside our athletics department. And uh, those four people walked into Kirby Hocutt's office and said, we're going to do this. This is how we're going to do it. And their department didn't do a, a single thing other than education to help facilitate, you know, knowledge and awareness for the student athletes. But all the all the legal infrastructure, all of the funds, everything that 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 collective is was developed outside of the department. So so that's another message for Ram Nation, I guess, if, if that's important, then um, and, 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 you know, in fairness, there's there's people that are CSU Rams that are working hard to kind of build the framework and start to create an opportunity for people that are motivated 
in that way to help our students. And I applaud them and I have a deep respect for them. And we've done everything we can to kind of help them um, with their learning curve and put, putting them in touch with people, whether it be at Arkansas or, um, you know, Texas Tech or other, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're working right now to, to at least give them, you know, a helpful roadmap that, that might lead to opportunities that they create, could create for our students. You know, and, and, and collectives are one piece of it, but, you know, then, then there's what I would say are the more, you know, traditional um, NIL opportunities. And we have those. I mean, you know, we saw a couple of our students, you know, Trey McBride and David Roddy, you know, both of them and a few others, uh, McKenna Hofschilds from our women's basketball team and, you know, a handful of other students were able to, you know, use their, their profile and their status as a CSU student athlete to, to do, you know, business related NIL deals with, you know, credit unions and banks and, and other business organizations in Northern Colorado. So we'll, we'll continue to see that. And, you know, those are, are things that, you know, I hope to, I hope we'll continue to develop and, and, and uh, grow. All right. Let me pause real quick and remind you about Ginger and Baker. What a great sponsor they've been for us for the last couple of years. We rave about them all the time. If you don't know about this place, it's located in a historic 100-year-old grain mill that was masterfully renovated. It's home to two restaurants, the Cash and the Cafe. It's got a coffee shop, a bakery, a teaching kitchen, event spaces, and a market. The coffee shop now has expanded grab-and-go breakfast and lunches to go. You can actually also order some of their famous cocktails to go, take them home with you. Please check it out. This place is unbelievable. If you haven't been there, make sure you come on August 18th for our Ram Nation Happy Hour Q&A Fan Forum with Joe Parker uh, and see it for yourself. But our friend Ginger Graham has created a gem in Fort Collins with Ginger and Baker. Since we last met, CSU had an official groundbreaking for uh, women's football and the softball complex um, and began a much-needed renovation on the locker rooms at Moby. Uh, what are the timelines on these projects? Yeah, but the basketball locker rooms are, are nearing completion. You know, we'd identified at the start of the project August 15th, so that's two weeks from now, being the, the date of substantial completion. Um, you know, the, the project team is doing a remarkable job, um, both from a design perspective and, and, and construction. Uh, but, but like everything in our, in our world right now, um, you know, there's been supply disruptions. You know, we've had some delays on deliveries for some of the materials to finish the space. We've had some delays on some of the furniture and fixtures that will uh, finish the space. So, Substantial completion is going to be pushed out um, into end of September, um, but it's it's looking awesome. I mean, it's going to be an un unbelievable resource, unbelievable asset for both of our programs to have two brand new uh, state-of-the-art quality locker rooms. Um, you know, we did do the the ceremonial groundbreaking for soccer softball. We're continuing to refine the the plans on that. Um, it's going to be a phased project, so construction fences will be going up um, around a portion of the soccer field probably before the end of this month. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll do a real focused effort on, on softball first. Um, 
and, and get that prepared for, I think the start, we should be, you know, a lot of the new improvements will be in place by the start of their season. And then we'll come back and, and do the remainder of soccer. It has been challenging though. I mean, the, the construction, um, uh, you know, costs have changed significantly. We knew we had some site challenges that, that um, you know, the flood stormwater kind of runs right through that area. So we've had to, had to manage some of that mitigation. We've had to modify design and, and what we were hoping to do a little bit uh, because of that. But I'm still very encouraged and excited that we'll have, you know, great facilities in place to serve both those programs on, on about the original timeline developed. So haven't, haven't gotten the true groundbreaking underway, but as soon as we do, it's going to be an accelerated effort. Last month, Christian Newton kind of shocked CSU fans by announcing his retirement. This came a few days after um, Parker Edens left to, to become the head coach at uh, South Dakota State, uh, his alma mater, I believe. Yesterday, two of our, our men's golfers, Connor Jones and Davis Bryant, finished 1-2 in the CGA Amateurs. With the success that we're seeing, uh, not only during the regular season, but also this summer with with those golfers and incoming fresh freshman Matt Wilkinson and our top-notch facilities, this job has to be very attractive. Um, how close are we in announcing our next head coach? Um, I'm going to back up a little bit, and I'll get to that answer more directly. So, you know, Christian, right at the end of the season, uh, came to us and said that he was really contemplating a career change, you know, just coaching the grind of it, 80 days on the road away from his family. It was just something that he wasn't really certain he could continue with. And he was exploring opportunities outside of coaching. And, uh, you know, he, he'd earned the right after a decade, in my opinion, to, to make a really thoughtful decision for his family. So we, we kind of let him um, finish that process and understand really what was going to be in his best interest. And, and of course, you know, at the same time was hopeful that he might turn back and, and stick with coaching. And, and uh, you know, ultimately he, he made the decision to step away. And so that put us in the market. And ever since we've been in the market, uh, we are finding what I expected to find. And that is we have a highly attractive opportunity. And we, uh, we've had no trouble putting together a really, um, really qualified candidate pool. Um, and, you know, that process is virtual interviews, a pool narrowing to campus finalists. And I would expect that, you know, maybe as early as next week, we, we, we will have an identified um, new leader uh, for the, the golf program. And I also want to give a, a huge shout out to our students on the men's roster. I mean, they've, they've approached this with a high level of maturity, um, unbelievable young men, you know, not easy to, to see a, a total pivot and the entire coaching staff in an off season, but they, uh, they value the CSU experience. They've trusted us administratively that we're going to find uh, a great leader uh, for the program and they're committed to playing together. They felt, you know, that they had a, a you know, a great season, but with unfulfilled <clears throat> aspirations and goals and they, they want to continue to play together and they're excited about this year that's ahead. So, you know, I feel a, a tremendous obligation to get this right for them, but um, all the things I think that make this a great opportunity are 
are going to you know help us identify a, a tremendous leader for the program and and I think the, the kids will be inspired by that person. So Joe, how good are you at poker? The reason I asked this because last time we talked, I asked you point blank about is there going to be a restructuring of Coach Medved's extension from 2021? And and you with that great poker face just kind of played it off. And then hours later, you announced an extension with uh, more money to his uh, assistant coaching pool. So so how good are you at poker? <laughs> I, I don't play poker, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it uh, you know, I used to play. So I, I, my first job after cutting yards, I was a caddy at the Battle Creek Country Club. And that's my hometown. And there was a group of us some friends that we all we all caddied together. And when we finished, um, there, there'd be kind of a couple's nine hole deal on Friday. Right. And that was like a twilight nine round deal. And we'd, we'd take our week's earnings, earnings, which weren't much. And I don't know, some of us would cash that in for nickels, dimes and quarters. And we'd play nickel, dime and quarter poker. That's the last time I've had any experience playing <laughs> poker, but, but maybe I learned something from those moments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was uh, to hear you say that then hours later, uh, seeing you and, and coach Medved and, and Joyce signing, signing those contracts, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a great job. You, you did a great job selling that. Um, so how did the, that extension come about? And, and what are some of the adjustments uh, that we saw from the 2021 extension? Yeah, that you know, the 2021 was really just, you know, Nico wanted more stability uh, for his term here at CSU. And he wanted, you know, some more resources for his assistant coaches. So that's that's what we addressed in the 2021. I mean, that was pretty amazing to see Nico in a selfless way, just say, Hey, my, my compensation package is fine. You know, let's keep the base where it is and even flat over the, the term that we extended him to. And he just wanted more resources for his assistance. And this time around, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just about years, but it was also about trying to uh, show gratitude to coach Medved and, and try and uh, demonstrate the institution's commitment to, to him um, as the leader of the program. So this one added years, added uh, money to his comp, and then also enhanced the salary pool for his assistants. So it did all three things. Um, and, and, you know, and like I've told everyone before, I mean, Nico, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to continue to see success in men's basketball. And there, there may, may be a moment in time where, there's an opportunity that just looks different to him um, than CSU and, and might be something that he wants to consider. And, and what we pay him is not going to be the thing that prevents him from making that move. I mean, they love it here. You know, Nico and Erica are really committed to this community. They came back because they knew the quality of life that they would have here in Northern Colorado and, and their association with CSU. So let's, let's, uh, Let's just keep it going. <clears throat> and part of that, again, too, is just, you know, you know, we sold out the final five games. You know, I mean, are we going to be able to pick it up? And that's a big part of showing our commitment to Coach Medved. All right. So I have one more question. Uh, as a U of M alum, you know, what are the go-to uh, CSU fans need to hit up in Ann Arbor in a month? Um. 
Well, the, the places they need to see on campus, if they get a chance to walk, <clears throat> walk central campus, I'd say the law quad is a can't miss uh, building. Pretty neat. They need to cross the Michigan Diag. That's the central part of campus where all the sidewalks kind of intersect. That's in front of the graduate library. Um, Angel Hall, which fronts onto State Street as another beautiful building. Um, and then some of the things that, that are in town, <clears throat> um, Zingerman's is a can't miss. I mean, you'll, you'll pay more than you ever imagined you would for a deli sandwich, but it'll be the best sandwich you've ever had. Um, I'd say the pickle barrel is better when you look at uh, value and quality, but, but there's something about Zingerman's and plan appropriately too. <clears throat> they, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, they, they'll, they'll have a massive line on any game day. So you got to give yourself ample time if you're going to try and do it, uh, you know, on Saturday. And then <clears throat> here's a little nugget for you. There's a place called Crazy Jim's Blimpy Burger. And it used to be on uh, Division. <clears throat> and then they moved. I can't remember. It's, I can't remember. It. It's, it's west of there and north. Um, <clears throat> but I used to be uh, the grill master at Crazy Jim's Blimpy Burger. So it, it's probably the best hamburger you'll get almost anywhere, especially if I'm behind the grill. I, I should be like a guest <laughs> guest grill master for the weekend, maybe. I'll tell you what, I, I, I will second that. <laughs> uh, Tracy and I went to the Michigan-Michigan State game 10 years ago. I can't, can't believe it's already been 10 years ago. And we ate there, and, and it is it is top-notch. Yeah, I think it opened in 1956. Um, when I worked there, it was uh, the Schaefer family owned it, and it, it and probably when you were there, it was it was what it was. What on? I mean, just kind of like a just a, one counter, a few tables, yep. ancient place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they did move the grill over to the new location, so that was a highly seasoned, great piece of equipment that that. <laughs> lent uh, a lot to the flavor of their burgers yeah no they were definitely I, I mean they were up there they were up there with the best that uh i've had so let's we'll make probably, sure to hit we'll, that up, we'll make an appearance there probably let's make sure to hit that up Friday. for sure all right joe we'll we'll let you go here we've had you for now i really appreciate your time as always you guys are officially under underway with the athletic season aren't you starting uh, i guess today is kind of the the kickoff of of season yeah, it never really ends, but but yeah, I guess officially we're 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 in prep for what's ahead with this upcoming academic year. So appreciate you guys more than you know. I think you're you're great Rams and you do a wonderful job in keeping people informed and and please lean on our department whenever you need voices to spread the word. We'll do Joe. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Talk soon. Go Rams. Go Rams. Uh, lastly, it does feel weird that we we did not mention Mighty River Brewing Company. Our, our guy, Dan Miller, sold his business, went through the grind of COVID for a couple years, and just was ready to do something different. Uh, looking to recharge the batteries in life. He's moving to Florida. But, uh, yeah, Dan Miller, he had a great thing going. We appreciated his sponsorship uh, and, and his beer. Uh, we definitely miss him. Thanks for listening to us today. We will be in front of you a lot more here in the coming months. So, appreciate it. Everybody have a great rest of the week. Go Rams.